Welcome to the Talk Zone 9000, home of 1900 Hot Dogs Us. I'm TV Sean, maybe from the internet, and I'm known for my excellent podcast introductions. But today, my notes got corrupted and everything is out of order. So if some of this might not be quite right, so just ignore everything before your name and we'll fix it all in post. Okay. Joining me today, she's a sexy queer icon known for her insightful video essays, Kirk Cameron's mortal enemy, Bobby the Barbarian Brockway. <laughs> Uh, I'm Bobby the Barbarian Brockway, and uh, here's a Brockway fact. I once got chased out of a park for fighting a swan. No follow-up questions. Oh, I had so many questions about that. No follow-up questions. Also joining us, he's a whiskey-drenched word puncher on a chopper cruiser with more mustache than one beard can handle, Maggie May Mayhem Fish. Oh, hello. Hello, hello. Thank you so it's much. It's so for good to have me. you on the show. Oh, thank you. No, I was just gonna say thank you for inviting me. Um, I, this was such a treat. Uh, <laughs> I felt really honored and privileged um, that mm-hmm. you uh, thought to share this with me. Yes. Well, uh, had you seen Bloodsport before we we mentioned it? No, I had not seen it. I had not heard oh, of it. That's magical. Uh, wow. Magical. Yes, I feel very similarly. What I found out about Highlander. Um, which really blew me out of nowhere. Um, you know, only about Highlander will do that. Yes, Highlander, yes. he'll blow you right out of nowhere. It, it'll blow really you out of nowhere. Uh, but very similar experience, um, which mm-hmm. is very special. That's hard to recreate. It is. It's. Um, it is like no bullshit. One of my favorite movies. Uh, it's usually in my top three. Uh, I love it. Ironically, but completely sincerely. Mm-hmm. Uh, Every time I rewatch it, I'm like, I can't believe this still holds up because it is like, I think I was 12 when this came out and it was so important to me and I'm so nostalgic for it. But now I watch it, I'm like, wait, nope, this is the perfect structured martial arts movie. The, it's the uh, these fights only are thing awesome. Donald Trump got right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, <laughs> That's true. I remember reading that. <laughs> It's his, movie. Movie. <laughs> it's his favorite movie. It's his favorite movie. There's a lot movie. to like. I know. I, mm-hmm. I can't blame him for that. And I too partake um, in, uh, you know, diet coke every so often. So mm-hmm. if those are the two things that I have in common <laughs> with Donald Trump, and I just then, I think about Van yeah. Damme while I do it. Every diet yeah. coke I have, I just yeah. reflect. <laughs> what he's up to. I'm also a brash idiot. So that yeah. uh, to, for me, like, it's just this is it. This is the guy. But um, so Maggie, could you describe Bloodsport? Do you think in fifteen seconds? Do you think that would be possible? Oh boy, absolutely could. Okay, so we have uh, our star, Jean uh, Jean Claude Van Damme. Hard name to say. <laughs> right. My That's how you out. pronounce it. Uh, okay, great. Um, so, uh, you know, he's in the military, and he's like, no, actually, uh, I want to go off to Hong Kong, and I want to compete in under our underground martial arts arena. Um, mm-hmm. And the military's like, you can't do that. And he's like, suck it, and he does it. Um, and yeah. young Forrest Whitaker is mad about him. Uh, but, you know, in the end... Um, uh, he he uh, you know, sticks it to America in the end. Yeah, <laughs> in your face, America. Yeah. That's great, yeah. That hits all the all the key points. Uh, the broad strokes. <laughs> I think um, what was uh, fascinating to me about this movie is that sort of the the main plot of it is that no one knows about the Kumite, but they show at the beginning everybody knows about the Kumite. Everybody, absolutely. Yeah. Like they find guys in bars that just know about yeah. the Kumite. The reporter is like writing a story about like this is the worst secret in any movie. <laughs> Yeah, I will say like if it's you know if it's a smaller town that tracks because every you know secret in a small the secret area. gets out yeah because yeah, when uh, yeah, when yeah, Donald yeah. Gibbons training um, 
Ray Jackson, uh, who's of course Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds, Donald Gibb. He was in like a one heavy bag fitness center and some dude comes up to him. He's like, whoa, you're really going to Hong Kong? I heard people can get killed at that thing. And like, that's the level of like uh, penetration it has had in the culture. I mean, Everyone knows had, about Kumite. He had to get an invite. How does that guy get an invite unless he just like hears <laughs> yeah. about it at a bar, getting drunk yeah. and thrown out of some, some hillbilly bar? Yeah, he's hey. already been there at least once. Hey, take this fight to the Kumite, man. The what? <laughs> the, the what? The what? <laughs> you don't know about the Kumite? And so, yes, uh, the other main plot that sort of ties it all together is that he's not supposed to be there. But uh, I'm not even sure if I recognize this in one of my other 250 viewings. But he's like, it's like an unofficial rule that he's not allowed to go. Like, he right. gets called to his CEO's office and they're like, hey, we heard on your furlough you're going to go to Hong Kong to have a fight. And we don't want you to do that because... We hate that. <laughs> yes. We're yeah. so va- you're so valuable that we don't want you to, like, you know, turn an ankle in a, in a fucking karate tournament. Nobody could possibly replace you, Frank Dukes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. So, so that's what I love is that, that these guys being sent halfway around the world to pursue him are just there because, like, somebody didn't feel like him going. There's, unless there's a very strict rule, which, again, if everybody knows about the Kumite, you'd think the military would have a rule against it. Right, like, yeah, it'd be written down somewhere, not just pulled kind out of, of a, nowhere. Kind of a don't ask, don't tell situation, but with mm-hmm. Kumite. With Kumite, yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> and maybe the other. He kind of gives off a, a few... No, nope, just uh, Kumite. Okay, but it does end with him telling Ray Jackson, I love you, and then mm-hmm. them almost crying. As, as fight and, brothers. And the woman he's sleep having casual sex with is not in the picture just like go over to the other side of the room we're having our moment it's it this might be one of those 80s action movies where it's actually a love story between two men i don't know Um, man i've loved every single one of my fight brothers and i am not ashamed to say it yeah in a platonic way i'm so glad i could introduce Bloodsport to you it's it's kind of one of my favorite things it's one of those things that it it feels like everyone's seen but when someone hasn't you're like oh you're you're such a treat And You're about to so understand young. every movie. Every movie made <laughs> I sense. I was going to ask, what about it stayed, like, what about it as a child stuck with you? And what is it about it that sticks with you? Because I don't think I'll ever forget this film. Um, and through a child's <laughs> eye, I'm curious. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I loved martial arts as a kid. Uh-huh. And this movie had every martial art. In fact, like, they were so ill-defined in a lot of these guys that it just felt, like, exotic. Like, though, that guy has, like, a strange, like, jungle-style martial art he that he learned in the jungle. He coconuts in half from <laughs> yeah. trees. And I was, and, like, That's not the way that... The way that activated my childhood imagination was just, like, every country must have their own martial arts. Oh, and, like, yeah. boom. And then this movie, like, has that. But also, uh, what a perfectly structured like martial arts movie. Like It's just a simple tournament structure. I mentioned this mm-hmm. on a different episode because so many movies make uh, like Street Fighter or, or Bloodsport or whatever, or Mortal Kombat, like a, a, a film about a tournament, and they don't do Bloodsport. Like they kind of right. do these other weird things. And I'm like, no, Bloodsport did it exactly perfectly right. Uh, and, and pretty much invented it. I mean, I know there are other tournament things before this, but this exact like template was used so many times uh, a lot right. by van damme again just <laughs> just trying to trying to recapture that magic but yeah every like decent tournament movie is just like let's swap some words around in the blood sport script because yeah. why would you not exactly i can't yeah. believe this isn't the most remade movie of all time 
Yeah, I was uh, gonna say, I'm surprised it's never been remade, although I did take a, sme- a sneak peek on the Wikipedia, um, mm-hmm. and there was a sequel in the work. Uh, it was supposed to be during the Afghan war. Um, oh, okay. So, yeah, they didn't make it. <laughs> uh, was it, which was we, it themed around that? Like, I think it was, yeah. Uh, okay. So <laughs> maybe we, yeah, we dodged a bullet there, and maybe it's good that, you know, this is a standalone. <laughs> well, what if... <laughs> He roundhouse kicked Osama bin Laden right in the face. I mean, mm, oh, I'd love that. okay, wouldn't, wouldn't okay. you be on board? Right, you're coming back around. Uh, man, you're you're gonna Fuck make me yeah. be an evil exec. While Stan Bush <laughs> sang a song about it, <laughs> ah. kicking Osama. <laughs> that, that's my Stan Bush impression. Damn, did I believe Osama's dead? Uh, that was Stan Bush's version of Dare from Transformers. Yeah, so Stan Bush wrote, uh, I think, two songs in this movie. Uh, you wrote Fight to Survive. What was the other one? Uh, was You're Still the Night his? There's there's a scene where Jean-Claude is, is running from Forrest Whitaker and the other guy. Mm. And they're like running across That's the right. boats. Yeah. That's a different it's song. Like, I didn't realize that was a different song. It's a cute song. little song. And it's like, it's about how someone is still the night. But then other things are also the night in the song. Like, like she's the night and we're all the night. And... Uh, it's God. It's so good. I don't, I don't even know how that to describe how. It's one of those things you got to watch. Everyone's seen Bloodsport, except for except for Maggie, mm-hmm. uh, and and of course those those magical unicorns you find in the wild. So if you have a friend at home and you think they haven't seen Bloodsport, show them Bloodsport. Show them Bloodsport. It, they will love it. I mean, there are things in this movie that I had like forgotten that films could do. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It was just so impressive. And to see everyone, you know, do martial arts. It's so impressively shot mm-hmm. and, like, yeah. well choreographed. There are just so many yeah. things to, to genuinely like about this right. really weird movie. Like, in a modern sense, like, if this was a Tony Jaa movie, uh, it, it would be shockingly bad, right? Like, the martial arts choreography is kind of um, campy and, like, outdated. But it's very good at storytelling. Like, you can tell what a guy's trying to do and where, like, what his style is. It's really distinct. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gets a little clumsy when the context starts getting made. But, like, for this many guys and this many fights, it's, it's incredible. Um, I like that you talk about things that this film does uh, because one of the most bold decisions it makes is early in the movie, it does an 11 and a half minute flashback <laughs> that, explains, <laughs> that explains Jean <laughs> Frank Dukes' origin, which is he, he breaks into a, a samurai school to look at a sword and his friends bail on him and he stays to like help clean up the mess. And the, the owner of the place sends his son in to kick his ass. And then he cuts the brim off his hat and he's so dumbfounded by this and doesn't even move that he's like, oh, wow, you must have fighting spirit because I cut your head off. You didn't do shit. And it, so, never, um, it never crosses his mind that the kid just might be kind of slow. <laughs> right. <laughs> despite, despite the kid carrying himself like that, and then they, they dub over him in the most ridiculous voice. <laughs> right. He's like, I wanted just, to see the sword. And you're like, oh, okay, okay this slow kid. It's doing like three accents, and they're all at war with each other. Like, I don't understand... <laughs> What he is to be fair, to be. he just had his hat cut off. <laughs> he was under a lot of stress, and uh, <laughs> so then he uh, they do a very long uh, one of the greatest training montages of all time. Of course, they do they do fights, they do blindfolds, they do blindfolded tea, they do fish grabbing. His training, uh, much like how we're all recording this right now, he was getting quartered with ropes. 
by his Shidoshi. And uh, I think most people who know about stretching know that it's it's not great to do it for more than like a minute or two. Like once once you're doing too long a stretch, you're actually doing more harm than good. Right, you're like ripping your... Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're ripping your... Yeah, don't do that, kids. It's also not great to be like tied to something and have somebody just yank it. Like that's not yes. that's not stretching. Mm, right, it's not exactly stretching. It's it's more more closer to torture. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. he leaves him in this thing and he just kind of watches him. I'm going to use the word erotically, but I'm not sure if that's just something I'm injecting myself. But there's there's a tension there that that's very alluring to me. Oh, that, anyway, that's er- I would say it's erotic. I, yeah, they both make yeah. they make some smoldering They're, eye contact. No uh-huh. words are mm. spoken. They just they don't mm-hmm. need to. The other thing about this movie, there's a lot of bold acting decisions by the by the actors. They don't look like they're performing. They're all very good actors, but they're, there's a lot of like, oh, what was that look? What did that mean? And uh, another thing that I appreciate watching Bloodsport for the 250th time is you catch a lot of subtlety like that. Uh, so he breaks free from it, just like smashes this dude's like fucking home gym and... I think that's what he was supposed to do. It's not clear like what the point of this exercise was at all, but but his Shidoshi seems uh, happy with it. It's to illustrate yeah, he, his he, groin he strength. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he impressed everyone in the room, and yes. there you go. <laughs> My groin is stronger than nature. <laughs> <laughs> what so, every man seeks to prove. Uh, so 11 and a half minutes of that flashback, and then it... Um, it shows him speaking to Tanaka, and there's a scene where uh, his son died. They don't explain how Tanaka's son died, but Jean-Claude Van Damme basically volunteers to take over with this super awesome martial arts training. He's like, oh, I cannot train anyone. My son is dead. My super awesome ninja stuff dies with him. And Jean-Claude's like, you know what? I could take on this secret ultimate ninja training, I, I, you know, if you want. And, um, you have been torturing me for three years. I mean, I was hoping it would pay off. <laughs> and he says, I wrote this down in my notes. Uh, he wrote, you taught me to use whatever technique works to keep an open mind. Which I love. It's very convincing, but it's also good storytelling to sort of say like Frank Dukes is like a Bruce Lee style guy. He's doing mixed martial arts in the era before mixed martial arts. And um, it convinces Tanaka uh, almost I think the next line he screams is, you are not Japanese, which is a very funny thing to say from a, uh, a Chinese actor. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, but it talks him into it and he's like, okay, fine, I'll train you. And that's, uh, that's the origin story of Frank Dukes. Who so Bloodsport, Bloodsport invented a, like UFC and MMA fighting, right? We're all on board with I, that? I think so. I think you could credit yeah. with that. I mean, everybody, yeah. and everybody, every MMA fighter is really in there thinking, like, about which guy from Bloodsport they are. I, I think that every single time I fight, yes. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm sure it spurred um, uh, many a young boy to take up martial arts mm-hmm. to defend himself. Oh, yeah. I, I, loved, I tied, like, uh, milk jugs full of water and kicked him <laughs> after watching Bloodsport. I got so pumped about it. <laughs> I loved Paco. He was the the really mean Muay Thai guy. I don't I don't like his meanness, but I love the way Muay Thai looks. I love and, his kicking uh, shorts. Yeah, his kicking shorts are great. I have several pairs of those in many colors. Uh, and I trained Muay Thai many years. And when I was in a Hollywood gym, uh, I was there with my friend, and he was looking at me funny. And I was like, "Why is why are you looking at me funny?" And he's just like like he's waiting for something. Mm-hmm. And there he was teaching Muay Thai 
fucking Paolo Toka who plays Paco in this movie. And I was like, this is this is it. I'm I'm gonna go meet a guy from Bloodsport. He like showed me how to kick. Uh, it was fantastic. Somewhere in the back of your head, it's just going kumate, kumate, kumate. <laughs> yeah. That guy's lucky I did not charge him with like some jungle chops. Just He's like... got to be so used to that. Yeah, I, yeah. you would not be That's the kid to do that that day, I'm sure. Yeah. Kid, just... I was like 31. <laughs> oh, okay. Man, to do that that day. And I yeah. still considered it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're done with the minute and a half flashback and now he just goes to Hong Kong even though he was expressly forbidden to do this by his COs uh, they don't say what branch he is but Frank Dukes the, the person this movie is based on was in the um, the reserves of the Marines so I guess they're Marines mm, an extra uh, Marine if you will yeah he's the reserves like a Marine just, they, they kept him back there because it was, yeah, it was America's yeah. Trump card yeah so what, what happened is uh, he learned early in, in his martial arts career. I think he had a black belt in Taekwondo and he would like do articles in Black Belt Magazine. He started to learn if he added military to like the descriptor of like his life story, he could fucking do anything. So now he was like this secret military guy. And I was like, you know what? I was actually a super spy. I wasn't a reservist. I was a super spy. I was a secret undercover like ninja in, you know, several oh, life zones. Well, life before the internet ruled. Yes. I mean, what were so they going to do? Not believe you? Yeah. That was your only choice. A, that would be absurd. And um, <laughs> I guess let's get back to the movie. We'll talk about Frank. I would do want to talk about Frank Dukes, the real person, after we discuss the perfect movie that he inspired. Uh, I really like how Jackson uh, hits on the girl on the bus where he goes, hey, babe, want to go out with a real big man? The real big man. That's the first <laughs> thing he says. <laughs> yeah. That's all I've got to yeah. offer you. I have. I am very large. Yeah. I'm do larger you, than do most like Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But it, when she doesn't respond, he just goes, no, huh? And that's kind <laughs> of it. <laughs> yeah, you're used to I was that. like, yeah, it was a little too aggressive, but uh, I liked his out. I, I, I thought it was great. Six out of ten. I thought I it was would great. Not, yeah. You like, know, I bet it would work every so often. You know, I mean, it's, it's a numbers sure. game with him. Right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Yes. There's yeah, like one out of 500 girls that's like, you know what? I do want to go out with a real big man. Yeah. I like that crazy, like, Tolkien character face you have with the cross eyes and the facial hair. It's great. It's like, uh, so uh, we also meet Janice, uh, the sassy female reporter who, uh, you may not know this, Maggie, but she, that became a, a staple character in every Jean-Claude Van Damme film for 30 years. Every, um, there was every the single movie reporter. in the 1980s. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was pretty normal for all movies, but Jean-Claude Van Damme specifically, you got a two out of three chance of having the female lead be a, a, a reporter. Uh, so, of course, she knows about the Kumite, and she's trying to get the story about the Kumite just by everyone knowing it. And... Uh, Everyone's very openly like wearing their karate outfits in in the bar. And she's like, "Hey, you guys are you guys are here for the kumite?" He's like, "What is kumite?" It's like you're all fucking with it. <laughs> also, that that hotel is. They say that that's in Kowloon Walled City. That that like slum that they go to, mm-hmm. and it's it's obviously hidden because they have to like duck through all of these crazy alleys just to get there. So right. she found her way there to this special yeah. like hidden hotel that is real high end and hidden inside the slum. 
mm-hmm. and then everybody there is martial artists and they have the nerve the nerve to be like no this isn't where the kumite is right Motherfucker, you know there's what, posters what up that's like is this home thing? of the kumite <laughs> come come meet last kumite's champ for autograph signings <laughs> Chong Ling will be here 4 p.m. amateur pajama convention we're all just <laughs> oh I'm there <laughs> And uh, to give you an idea of the OPSEC uh, that they use when they're talking to dudes, uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme is playing Karate Champ with Jackson. And after one game, he goes, hey, you want to see some real fighting? You should come watch me in the Kumite. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I'm telling you, that's how he it's learned It's real that. secret. Yeah, don't tell yeah. anyone. Don't tell, you, I can trust you. We're we Karate Champ brothers for life. But, uh, well, you know about this, this karate video game. You must know the world of karate. <laughs> you must. <laughs> And uh, they, they they inject just a touch of like a racial element, where they don't like let him come to the just Kumite because they're like, <laughs> well, everyone else is like all these cultures are merging together to fight, uh, but they don't like they don't let Jean Claude Van Damme in because he's not a Tanaka. They're like, dude, you're a white guy, you can't come in unless you do the secret brick exploding punch, and mm-hmm. he's the only one in the movie that has like a superpower. It's, I just think it's a little unfair to... The dim to, mock. The death touch. Yeah. The death mm-hmm. touch. What the hell is a dim mac? It, uh, it's the death touch. Everybody <laughs> knows this. How are you with the kumite and you don't know about yeah, the death touch? Yeah, I was going to say, you not, don't you know about the kumite? Here, I'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you everything. I guess we did skip over the part where Jean-Claude Van Damme saves a woman from being slapped in the bar, which is... Uh, it's heroic. A, it's, yeah, it's heroic. Yeah. Uh, I like how he handles it. How he, he's like... Tell you what, if you hold the coin, if if I can grab the coin, then I get the girl. And she's like, "What the fuck?" And he's no, like, gives her no. a little wink, and she's like, "Oh no, this guy's cool. Yeah. No, he's, he's got this. It's the American shithead who makes tricks with bricks. That dude is one of my favorite like extra dudes in all of cinema history. He fucking owns it. He is bringing so much fire to that. <laughs> There's another dude in this movie I love who goes, "Okay, USA." Oh my god, I think I remember that. I I love that the movie took a minute out to be like, wait, what was that? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) there was no shit, yes. That dude ad-libbed that. You cannot convince him. It had to have been ad-libbed, yes. And I think uh, Don Gibb is like an underrated actor, Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds. Like every time Mm -hmm. he makes a face in this movie, it either cracks me up or like lets me know exactly like what the tone of the scene is. Like when Forrest Whitaker shows up, he's like, okay, pal, sit down. He goes, I ain't your pal, dick face. And you're like, oh, the tone just changed in this room. Like he can just turn it on like that. Mm-hmm. He's, he's a fun guy, but oh, man. The military administrators are on his tail. I'm trying to keep up with my notes here. I, I wrote down the entire plot of Bloodsport. Oh, wow, you need um, to? I thought it was just... I just wanted to keep in order. <laughs> for us. You make a good point. Maybe, uh-huh, I should, uh-huh. maybe it's time for me to put on my fish-grabbing blindfold <laughs> and see if I can do this. Without my eyes. Uh, I did forget to mention another favorite part of them. I'm going to be doing this a lot. Earlier when he was training blindfolded, one of the parts of his martial arts training was to serve everyone tea blindfolded. And Tanaka's wife, also a Chinese actress, was looking at him the whole time. And like, you going to hit him? You're going to fucking punch this dude? Like, she's got this like yearning, <laughs> little, this grin. Like, little I'll coy do it. smirk. He's going to punch you right in the face, you I love this asshole. part where he hits the white guy. Oh, <laughs> and then a... Then, of course, he blindfold blocks the punch, and she's like, oh, that's that's the good stuff. I love that part, uh, that the wife is in on it, and she mm-hmm. loves to watch him. Okay, so uh, we start, We at, we're, let's talk about the fights now. So they start the fight, and 
Uh, they start with like the Kung Fu pajamas guy. And the thing you need to know about Bloodsport is if a guy is doing Kung Fu and wearing Kung Fu pajamas, they're not a main character. You don't need to worry about them. They mm. probably have a name Ooh, on IMDb. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, they're in Hong Kong. I think they just get a lot of, like a lot of scrubs from the local McDojos. Like, oh, I, right. I have a purple belt in Kung Fu. I'll do the Kumite. Because it's right next door. Why not? Why not try it? That's my attitude. Why not try the Kumite if you're right there, you know? <laughs> right. Uh, they ha- here's a guy that I never quite got a handle on who he was. Do you know the, the guy from Brazil that they showed, like, pit fighting at the start? Yeah, if, I thought he was mm. kind of supposed to be capoeira guy. That I get a capoeira vibe from him. But, but he's not uh, totally capoeira, you're right. Yeah, he's, he's definitely not, not. He's not, like, dancing in that. Is it possible <laughs> the guys that made Bloodsport were like, no, that looks too dumb to, like, do in competition? Maybe. They're like, let's let's tighten it up. Let's add like a little boxing and kickboxing to the to the dancing. This is just too silly. But uh, I like the the little jungle fella in the diaper that, that chops the coconuts. Keep that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is too silly. But but the man that is a monkey because he's from the jungle, I buy that. I one hundred percent. Little Tarzan guy. This is this is fucking nineteen eighty six, and I believe that is true. <laughs> I thought that was a real thing. I really thought that somewhere someone was doing like monkey martial arts. And there is a monkey oh, wow. style kung fu, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, it's not the official martial art of like the jungle. Yeah, the, the Congo Republic or whatever. Yeah. Of the future Earth in Planet of the Apes <laughs> territory. Oh, I'd love a movie just based on this guy and how his philosophies like penetrate into the future. I don't know. I love it. His uh, fight to get to the Kumite, where he has to ha- go through his own local Kumite. Yeah. Uh. Kumite qualifiers. God, I'd watch 70 prequels about Bloodsport. And they all have different animal styles. Toucan style. Toucan style. They never had. They never remade this. That is interesting. You brought that up earlier. It's like, why yeah. is this not the most remade movie in the world? I th- they did some sequels that, that were very forgettable. Mm. They were going to make a Lady Bloodsport which is, uh, yeah, very promising. Uh, but they never got around to it. Um, Van Damme so. did make Bloodsport eight more times. <laughs> yes. Uh, they did call it something mm-hmm. else, though. Yeah, he did make the quest, which is very literally Bloodsport with a touch of kickboxer elements, co-written by Frank Dukes. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, so literally, yeah. <laughs> so. They were really yeah. into they each other. They did remake it, and it's pretty good. Uh, so Jackson is up next. We get to see what Ray Jackson can do. And he draws a pretty lucky draw. He gets like a 130-pound handsome boy in uh, dance belt tights. And uh, they show him earlier in the movie doing warm-ups. And everyone else is kind of shadow boxing, And he's just doing real sexy lunges. He's just like getting, getting those deep lunges. Uh, one of my favorite side characters in this movie. I have a lot of them. And uh, Jackson like gets punched in the head a couple times. And then just fucking caves his brain in with a hockey fight punch. Just like thump. And uh, it's fantastic. It couldn't... He's got to have a 200-pound advantage on this guy. And I then he calls out Chong representing. Lee. He's representing the martial arts style of... Just fucking hit him. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody here is representing their, their martial arts style. Yep. And then he comes in with, I'm just going to hit you in the face. That's the Boston style. <laughs> the, uh, right, the only Americans in this are like super loud like biker bar guy and uh a belgian character based on a canadian man those are the two americans (laughs) so so, represent america accurate oh yeah it's accurate 
And then uh, Chong Lee's fight is next, and he fights uh, what's just very clearly a Bruce Lee knockoff. He even does like a Bruce Lee pose at the start of the fight. And this lasts about two seconds before Chong Lee just annihilates him. And this is this is part of the movie that is uh, excellent storytelling. Chong Lee beats him all three ways at once. So the way to win at the Kumite is to knock a guy out, to make them submit, or to throw them out of the ring. And he does all three of those. Just to demonstrate this guy can do everything. And I just want to point out the script is perfect, as I have and will many times. <laughs> You're not. That's no word. You're not lying. None of those words are a lie. <laughs> yeah. That's the truth. Is that the one where he sets the world record? I love that. That's why they they get mad at each other. Uh, the next fight is when uh, mm. he's uh, maybe he does set the world record or he beats yeah, his own Chong world Lee record. Beats his record, I yeah. think, in the first fight. I mean, like world right. record. And then uh, Frank fights next against the sex kidnapper, uh, whose name is uh, Sadiq Hossein. And uh, he beats him in world record time by like, he throws him down and then he kind of waves at his face. And I, I never understood even after all this time if he did like a chi blast or if he just like knew he was going to get knocked out and kind of did like a little flourish. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, read that as he was just so scared and outmatched. Like he knew yeah. mm-hmm. he was he outmatched so he didn't. Yeah. And then his pride got the better of him and he tried to beat him up after the bell and just got completely fucked up instantly <laughs> so two knockouts for frank dukes already i mean you you have skipped over the first thing he says in the fight where he goes now i show you some trick or two uh, best uh, he, he might not get many lines but he he dominates them i bet that wasn't in your notes either that's the kind of line you remember forever well how could it, you it lives forget in that? your heart yeah it goes straight from your <laughs> ear and settles somewhere in <laughs> deep inside and uh this brings up another great throwaway character here because uh, Jean-Claude knocks his gold tooth out and the guy who's in charge of like mopping up the, the mats sees that gold tooth and gets real conspiratorial. He's like darting his eyes around like a cartoon. Again, great, bold acting choices. And he runs up and he grabs the tooth and tests it to see if it's a real gold tooth. Now, this is a filthy, bloody tooth from a sex pest's mouth. And he does this in full view of all the people he's trying to hide it from. I just love all this choice. I love the idea to put him in the movie. It's amazing. Yeah, I hope they wrote that down in the script. Yeah. I hope they, they <laughs> took him. Somebody took a draft of that. <laughs> just took a, a couple whole page of the script. Mm-hmm. The whole Tighten page of the script scene. just describing it. Yeah, the whole, the whole movie was actually based around that one moment. So. <laughs> and that's why it's the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is the, the next sequence in the film is like what I see when I close my eyes. It's the Stan Bush Kumite song and just a montage of everybody fighting. The crowd is super into it. Uh, the jungle guy gets a fight. The meat, super mean Muay Thai guy. Uh, the sumo guy. Uh, you, you get introduced to all these amazing characters. Um, Jackson throws a guy out of the ring. He looks like an eight-year-old Chinese boy. And when he hits the ground, he's just fucking dead. Like, he dies on the impact. When he throws him, he's screaming. He's like, oh, no, don't throw me. Cuts to him on the ground, and he's just motionless. So I, that was a bad fall. However he took that fall, he's dead. Right on uh, the neck. Yeah. Black belt and fucking you up. <laughs> but I do want to stop here and talk about the rules of the Kumite. Like, um... Maggie, you're, you've obviously grown into a, a very academic adult. Were you ever a, a sporty kid? I was, actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're talking to a uh, three-sport varsity athlete. Nice. Um, 
uh, at a division like C or D school. So take that into consideration. <laughs> right. Yeah, I was a great long jumper in my high school. Uh, there's a lot of white people in the high school. I think I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, mm. th- this is it sounds like a racist joke, but uh, for three years, every single one of my yearbook captions was white men can jump like a play off of the popular yeah. film at the time. So uh, that's pretty good. All my press clippings are, are like very racist, very racially themed. Mm. It's, I, you know, I grew up in a small town, but yeah, reporters really like to do that for no reason. They make, uh, yeah. they make kids really uncomfortable a lot of the time. <laughs> that's true. So uh, I guess I, I just, from a sporting perspective, here's what I think would happen with the Kumite. Like, uh, there's three ways to win. You can knock a guy out or you can make him submit. Now, the idea of turning off a human brain, we've been trying to do it since man could walk. It's pretty hard. And to get like a, a passionate fighter to submit is also pretty difficult. But picking up a dude and moving him three feet is kind of easy. So I feel like every fighter would... game His game plan would be, I'm going to shove him off the fucking Kumite mat. And so I think they just invented sumo. Like, I think if you go back a thousand years Mm. in sumo, that was probably a sweet kumite fight until, like, people realized, you know, all I could do is dedicate my life to eating and shoving, and I'm the greatest kumite fighter in the world. They're like, okay, we got to... Sumo guy did make it pretty far. Yeah. And without throwing anyone off the the mat. Like, he was, like, bear hug guys. They showed that. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm saying, if you put guys on, like, a tiny little pad and say, win by shoving them off, they're like, well, that's, that's what I'm going for. And uh, and so that's one of my issues with the Kumite is that this is just sumo. Uh, a 150-pound man is not going to win this ever in a million years. And yet. And yet he did. And, and it's yet. a true story. He did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet it's 100% accurate. That mm-hmm. is what happened. Yeah. I will not be checking facts. I will not be <laughs> looking. Fair enough. I believe I, I this whole story. I believe each of these guys were in there. I believe yeah. there was a sumo guy, and they, I, I somehow believe there was like monkey karate mm-hmm. from from Brazil or whatever. Mm-hmm. It, the I movie caught it. me slipping uh, in in what I know about the world. <laughs> it taught me. <laughs> so you you did the three sports, but no martial arts as a child. No martial arts. My brother uh, took taekwondo for a couple of years. Um, okay. And when I was little, I was curious. Like, you know, I was into the idea of trying it, um, but I just never ended up taking classes. So. Yeah. And did Brockway, movie... you're, you're a black belt in seven martial arts. I actually did take a lot of martial arts specifically because of blood sport. <laughs> really? <laughs> nice. wow. Yeah, this came out, I was, I don't know, like eight or something, maybe mm-hmm. younger. And uh, yeah, it was formative. It like introduced me mm-hmm. to the way the world works. And it turns mm-hmm. out it's karate. Yeah, absolutely. It solves yeah, all like, the problems. That's, that's how the world turns. It's just yeah. hidden karate tournaments. Everybody knows about them. Everybody's in on it. So mm-hmm. I had to get ready, you know? I had to start mm-hmm. preparing for adult life. <laughs> it decides the fates of many a nation every single year, so. <laughs> By <laughs> learning matter. to snap kick in a strip mall. Yes, yes. <laughs> so uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme now hooks up with Janice. Um uh, and, of course, there's a very famous scene here. Now, I want each of you on a scale of 1 to 10, privately right now. We're going to say these at the same time. Out of 10, how sweet is the scene where Jean-Claude Van Damme's butt is out of his panties? Just, we're going to go 3, 2, 1, and then say your score out of 10. 3, 2, 1, ten. 7. Did I hear a 7? Yeah, seven. we'll give it a 7. 
<laughs> it was wow. Look, maybe I've been spoiled by other Van Damme movies, but it wasn't. It wasn't doing the splits. It wasn't like oh, fair enough. It wasn't okay, out for okay. very long. Like I don't know. He really stepped up the game after this. Mm. <laughs> I like it because you can tell like he's holding his butt out, and then he hears the call for action, and then he pulls it up. Like, of it's this moment where you can fully see the performance and it's like all it would have taken as the editor is just half a second more <laughs> and you would have it would have looked like a man pulling up yeah. his underpants but the way they did it it's just it's so clearly Jean-Claude's like no I will show everyone my butt this is gonna be great this is my uh, thing from now on and I'm uh-huh. setting it now I'm establishing a legacy <laughs> and um, here's a part um, I didn't notice this in my other 249 viewings but there is an error here in the movie uh, that I never caught before, where they say goodbye to each other and it, they are in love. This is not casual sex. This is the start of a relationship. Uh, lingering tender kisses and emotional music. And maybe they're just caught up in the, the whirlwind one-night stand romance. But I this, to me, reads like they're going to be in love forever. So anyway, uh, <laughs> he's like, I got to get to the Kumite. And she's like, goodbye, lover. And they're like naming their kids and shit. And he gets to the Kumite and they're like, God, you're running so late. And she's already there. He left the same location as her first, and she's already there in, like, a kumite gown. And she's all dolled up as an undercover sex worker. And she says, this isn't the first time I've had to go undercover to get a story. And has met and convinced another man to bring her to the kumite. Yes. Yeah. Incredible. And he thinks this is cute. He's like, this is cute. But, like, seriously, they... They're clearly at the start of a relationship, and she just jumped into her morning kumite gown and took an escort gig at her boyfriend's work. Like, this is a jarring emotional thing. Like, if you went to work and you're like, I gotta focus, I gotta fight like 250 guys today, and your new girlfriend showed up as an undercover prostitute, you'd be like, this is really fucking with my head. I'm just saying. That's why he wins. (laughs) Inspirational. (laughs) Yeah, that's. uh, So, anyway, that's a. I think the only error in Bloodsport, other than the fact that they invented sumo and didn't realize it. Uh, so now uh, there's uh, the semifinals and all these all these fights happen in like 10 seconds each and yet they tell so much story. They got a Hungar guy versus a Muay Thai guy. Hungar loses because the Muay Thai guy rules. Jean-Claude takes on a Taekwondo guy and this is another perfect visual storytelling moment where he starts matching the Taekwondo guy's like spin kicks and... He's just better at all of it. And so that tells the audience this dude can do everything and beat dudes at their own game. So, right, because that's all you have with Taekwondo. Yeah, just spinning <laughs> He and psychologically spinning. destroyed that man. He kept getting kicked. He's just like, eh, this isn't working. I yeah. have one thing. <laughs> that guy went home real sad. Yeah, my whole life. <laughs> he went Maybe to the Taekwondo as, teacher uh, and was like, I, I think I've spotted a flaw with our style. We need at least it, one more thing. Yeah, if other people spin faster than you, you lose. Like that, you know what? I think we ought to double down on the spinning. I think we should try to spin the fastest. Like teacher, no, I'm trying to say the opposite. No, 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 no. <laughs> you join the rest of the nine-year-olds, and we're gonna train in the ultimate spin kicks. Uh, so Chong Lee kicks the Valley Tudo guy's leg in half. They are uh, the Capoeira guy, whatever he is. That sort of Brazilian-style mashup, um, and then. Jean-Claude beats a karate guy. He also beats a, a guy I love who does like a weird pantomime at the beginning. His name's Gomez. And he shows up and he's like, points at him. And then points at himself. 
And then he puts his hands together. And he breaks his hands. And then he puts his thumb across his neck. Like he's demonstrating to Jean-Claude he's going to kill him in the art of pantomime. And Jean-Claude kicks him in the face and then kicks him off the platform in what has to be less than four seconds. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. New world record. The world, mm-hmm. world record has been broken by like eight seconds now. <laughs> and uh, and Chong is impressive. so mad about it. <laughs> yeah. No ceremony. Yeah. They don't even show like the, the new title card or the new time card. It's just like, yeah, okay. Keep, keep moving, keep moving. Because this movie never stops. <laughs> that uh, is a, the pacing is uh, very ADHD friendly for any of yeah. my scramble heads out there. Yeah, you for will sure. never get bored with a scene except for that no, no, no. eleven minute flashback. <laughs> except for that one. But also the flashback does include that uh young child actor doing There a is a montage yeah. Damn in the flashback. It's At least fifteen years time pass. periods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like somebody dies, like one of the main characters of that flashback dies. Yes. In yeah. the flashback. It's a in lot flashback. to take in. Uh, yeah, they they change roles like Jean Claude goes from punching bag to like protector. Because he mm-hmm. saves the kid from bullies. Oh and man, he, my favorite, my favorite detail. Uh, one of the kids cheering on the battle, cheering on the bullets. Yes. I think <laughs> is wearing a Bartles and James shirt. Just like this twelve-year-old kid in a Bartles and James shirt, going, "Go bullies, go bullies!" He lo- love that. Kid. Those were. Um, I loved those too. Those Bartles and James commercials because they had Bruce Willis, and he would he'd be out on like a like out on a, a fire escape on a harmonica, and I was like. This is the coolest anyone will ever be. Well, I'm clearly going to buy that, that wine cooler shirt. Oh, yeah. I like wine coolers all the way up to the age of 14. I, those are delicious treats. Uh, so <laughs> I'm trying to check my notes. Where are we in this movie? Uh, we're in the fight montage. Uh, the sumo guy sort of, they demonstrate how he's sort of unkillable. Like that's his thing. Because uh, he's not like a giant sumo guy. He's probably like... 270, 280 of functional muscle. Like he's a big guy, but like he's got strength and he's got like a little bit of a gut. Just a pretty hefty gut, but he's just, he's built. So he's uh, basically whatever you hit him with doesn't hurt him, which is a great character to have in a movie. And uh, so he fights Jean Claude Van Damme and he kind of lands a bunch of good shots. Like it seems like, wow, he's really hurting the sumo guy. And then just suddenly the sumo guy gets pissed off and says, nope, you're not hurting me anymore. And uh, he grabs him in a head in a, uh, a bear hug, his signature move. Jean Claude headbutts his way out of it, and then hits him with a dim mock. And I want to get your take on this scene because I never understood what they were going for. So this is obviously the death touch. It's, that's what it's called. He already used it to explode a brick past the point of impact, meaning this guy's organs just burst, right? Correct. Except nothing happens. Right, but he kind of comes back and he's really mad but there's a panic in his eyes as if like he knows he's going to die and he's just has like seconds to do one <laughs> it final just takes attack. a while for the organs <laughs> to shut down but he understands yeah, oh yeah, man i have no more kidneys yes, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I think he knows that my take on it is that he knows these are his last moments so he tries the double skull punch which of course van damme counters with the full splits dick punch again uh, a legacy defining moment that would legacy shape the rest moment. of his life so I think it's a fan. I think this he died, and I think it was a glorious death. He yeah, died with no there, organs and an inside-out dick. Dying to the very first Van Damme's full splits dick punch. Exactly. Just, I mean, you would enjoy it on the way down. You'd be yeah. like, it. It was worth it. <laughs> you and you'd be taste fully in shock as you. You'd die. feel no pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, so you think he was alive? You think his organs were not ruptured? He was just mad? No, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. Okay, okay. It good. just took him. A, it just took him a little bit because yeah. he didn't seem to register it. But we have established that kills you. <laughs> they, I mean, they call it the death touch. Everybody knows about it. Uh, there's another guy right around this fight where I want to talk about. He's wearing like giant samurai pants, which I think you might see sometimes in like taekwondo <laughs> demonstrations. Yes, but yes. he's just like a white dude in giant samurai pants, <laughs> and the only move he tries in the entire fight against Chong Lee. It's like a shoulder grab. He like grabs his outside shoulder, and I'm like, dude, what were you going to try with that? And then, <laughs> then Chong Li just fucks him up. I, I just, I love that. What's that dude doing there? It's like right. someone like, someone called in sick. They're like, get the sound guy in these samurai pants. I don't know how to fight. Just grab his shoulder. We'll, we'll fix it in editing. I love it. It's like he went there to lose on purpose. Like he wanted to walk in, get it done over with quickly. Yeah. And so he's like, I'm not even, I just, I'm going to let this guy end. Yeah. And then they put him against Chong Lee. He's like, oh, <laughs> fuck. He just wanted to tell his physical therapist that, yeah, I was in the Kumite. Yeah, I didn't do sh- great, but I, I got in some shots. Are you sure I, the monkey guy doesn't need an opponent? I could be the, the guy that loses to the monkey guy. Yeah. Yeah, they showed, the monkey guy won in the early montage, but then... Uh, ran into the sumo guy that that was trouble so um now we we get chong lee versus jackson and this is like it's pretty serious so jackson is very confident and, and jean claude is like trying to give him advice like go for the gut and jackson's response is what are you talking about like his idea of ha- the idea of having a game plan is ludicrous to this guy and here's like the greatest fighter he'll ever meet giving him real actionable game plan advice like this is how you can win. Stay away from his right leg. Go for the gut. Like, these are two things he can do as a fighter. And he's just like, dude, you're fucking crazy. I'm just going to go in there and run at him. And he does. He puts both hands straight up into the air and runs at him tummy first. And it does not work. But what if so, it did work? What if it did? You're and not uh, entertaining that. That's <laughs> right. the Jackson way. What if this does work? <laughs> he did land some shots. He got in a Captain Kirk axe handle and a back fist. Uh, See, so, stay positive. Yeah. Uh, Jackson he, would want you to stay positive. <laughs> uh, and then, of course, he gets his head stomped in. So he might, he might die. And the stakes are established. And then he takes his fucking his cool Harley headband. <laughs> yeah. Bandana, yeah. I guess it is. Uh, I love Jean-Claude Van Damme's acting here because he's so mad at Chong Lee. And then he immediately shifts to like, oh, I'm super sad for my friend who just got his skull cracked open. And he was in his 20s at the time, very mature actor. Um, Maggie can speak more to this as the actor among us. Like, mm-hmm. pretty good performance from a, from a young Jean-Claude Van Damme here, right? Oh, absolutely. I want to give, you know, all the praise in the world. You know, it's, I think it's, it's harder than it looks to act. But, uh, you know, Jean-Claude does his best. Um, and a lot of times you get really honest performances because, you know, if they don't really know how to act, then they, you know, it, it comes off they, very honest. They tap and into, it, like, the real moments when they watch their friend yeah, get their head caved in. Exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, um, I think, yeah, he's, he's great. <laughs> you know, uh, here's a fun fact about Bloodsport. That montage of all the fights that I just described, where one of the main characters almost dies, was 10 minutes in one second, a full 90 seconds less than the opening flashback. So. <laughs> the economy of that filmmaking. That is weird. Yeah, yeah. Huh. Uh, this but is also, also perfect script. Perfect script. Perfect, script. perfect movie. Yes. Yes. 
Don't change it. Some of these, some change. of these, you shouldn't try to recreate. Like, don't mm-hmm. put an eleven and a half minute flashback in your movie, uh, young filmmakers. But it works here, so maybe try mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to know where, the rules before you can break them. <laughs> this is where I turn on Janice real hard because Janice n- sees this like brutality, and she's like, "Oh no, I hate this. How can you boys do this?" How dare you fight? And Jean-Claude, he tries to explain this to her. He's like, dude, this is something we're very passionate about. Maybe you don't understand it, but like we train our whole lives for this. He's, he's doing his best. But uh, she watched that other dude's leg get kicked in half and she was fine with that. She's watched a lot of dudes take some serious concussions. She was fine with that. But like the friend of the guy she's fucking, when he gets hurt, she's going to shut the whole thing down. So she goes to the cops and says, you got to shut this kumite down, uh, which I think is a villain move. I think Me she's the, yes. the villain of the movie. Yes. As a woman, I will I will attest that I, at that moment, I was like, oh, she's the villain of the movie. Uh, That's so unnecessary. Um, yeah, you, you don't call the cops, you know, especially yeah. on the coup de tank. Come on. <laughs> I mean. Come on. Come on. She, I, you, the, all of the hints were there the whole time. She was the only mm-hmm. woman. That's true. That's, that's true. Yeah. She, she has to be the villain. She's got to be, yeah. Uh, And the love interest. Like, she had a lot of roles she had to play just as the only woman. Uh, There's a lot to do. I did check IMDb uh, to get some of the names, and there's a a character in this movie called Special Lady that I honestly have no idea who it is. And she's, like, the sixth one listed on IMDb. Uh, The character's Special Lady. It's a... She's a Hindi actress. I don't recall any people from that part of the country in the movie. Uh, so, is it the the woman that Hossein is harassing? Like she in the bar be before they mess lady. with Janice? Yeah. You know what? You might be right. That's special. That's got to be special lady. Be a real so special that's lady. nice. That's nice of her because, like, uh, you know, she she was just in there to, as an extra to get like sexually harassed, and they're like, you know what? Let's give her a little treat afterwards. It's a tough role to play. Let's call her special lady. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Or maybe her first IMDb credit was like sexual harassy. And she's like, could you like, could that be nicer? (laughs) (laughs) Could we just, the framing, the framing. (laughs) Speaking of uh, IMDb credits, one of Jean-Claude Van Damme's first uh, credited role was Gay Karate Man, which is great. No notes. Wow. Oh my goodness. What, does it say what movie that's from? Uh, Monaco Monaco Forever. Forever. Mm, okay, this is ringing some bells. <laughs> yeah, we both just <laughs> memorized that. Yeah, I, he should go back in and see if they'll change it to Special Lady. He's like, I'm a big star now. I, you do me a favor, IMDb. I want to be Special Lady in Monica. You did it for her. <laughs> do it for me. So, so here's the consequences of her calling the cops. They show up basically just to arrest Frank Dukes with like his the two military officers who've traveled all the way here to capture him, and. On the way to, in this spooky hallway, he beats up two cops. He hits one with his gym bag. He kicks one in the fucking neck, probably dead. Then they pull their tasers on Jean-Claude and he blocks the tasers into two other cops. So he has taken out four Hong Kong police. And then here these military guys from America tell the, their chief who showed up for this like, like man grab, who they tell him, uh, no, 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 just... We'll let him go. I think that's what you call it in Hong Kong. Uh, they're like the old Hong Kong man yeah. grab. We got we got to let him fight. He beat up four your cops. That's uh, <laughs> that's fair. Fair play. So that's what happened. He four of these cops are in the hospital because of of this woman's poor choices, and it didn't do anything. You're allowed to do this in Hong Kong. 
or no man's land, I guess. Like, technically, they don't have jurisdiction, I would imagine. So, again, perfect movie. This is not a mistake in Bloodsport. It's just uh, terrible consequences of this woman's terrible decisions. Uh, so Agreed. There are no mistakes in this movie. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and even the one I pointed out where she gets to the Kumite quick after a costume change and hooking up with an escort gig, I think <laughs> that just is a testament to how good she is versus him. He probably got lost in traffic. I can, I can forgive it. Precisely. Precisely. Yeah. So uh, now we're in the semis. There's, there's just a couple fights left. Uh, Paco tanks on, takes on Frank Dukes. And again, Frank Dukes matches the Muay Thai guy's strength. He's like, oh, you like to like brutally kick guys? Well, let's have a fucking gentleman's rib kicking contest right here. I like that and, they both agree to it. Like, yes. This is just an unspoken <laughs> rule amongst them. It's just, look, if somebody bears the ribs and then challenges you, you have to have a kickoff. <laughs> yep. I still do it to what this day. You, I've, I have done that no bullshit at least 20 parties. Like, if, if we get too loose and too drunk and there's enough space, I will have a rib-kicking contest with someone. Every time. <laughs> well, I'm sorry I made fun of it. It's just a world I have no experience with. No, it has never gotten a good reaction. This is something that people see it and they're like, what the fuck are you clowns doing? But, and, I still, and I did it 19 more times. <laughs> uh, I like it here because... She loves this rib-kicking contest. The woman... She shows up to the Kumite, Janice does, after trying to shut it down. And she's fucking enraptured. Just loving this. Giggling and clapping. And after the fight, he sits down and people are into it. They're screaming Frank Dukes. And he gives her a little wink. And, I mean, her panties are just drenched. Like, you can see it just... Oh, this Frank Dukes. So, um... Which just always, it always happens to Frank Dukes. He's so used to that. He doesn't even notice. (laughs) I do have a Frank Dukes story about that when we talk about the man himself. Um, As we must. (laughs) So uh, Chong Li fights uh, a a kung fu guy that got to the semis. And he's like one of the guys, I think, from the original scene where she's talking to him in um, in the bar. Where she's like, you guys are here for the kumite. So he's had some lines, but... We don't see how he fights. He's just kind of this generic kung fu guy. He throws like one shot and Chong Li just wrecks him. And then punches him to death and then intentionally breaks his neck after he's probably already dead. And the crowd loves it. But then the Kumite Council, they all turn their back. They're like, oh, this is shameful. And then the whole crowd turns on him. Like these fucking sheep are like so bloodlusty. And they're like, oh, oh, we don't like murder. Okay, you're right. Yeah, we hate murder. So... Again, have some principles. I forgot, I forgot that we don't like murder. Yeah. Do you like murder or not, crowd? <laughs> so uh, so these are the stakes going into the finals, because Chong Li points at Jean-Claude and says, You are next. And a lot of uh, movies try to set up high stakes. Like, oh, if he loses, he won't get the money he needs to save the orphanage or whatever. But, like, he could die. Like, Rocky IV tried to set this up, but, like, Bloodsport is like, no, there's a real good chance if he loses this fight, he's going to die. Uh, and Yeah, the, the stakes, uh, more than so many other films, the stakes in this film is, are mm-hmm. so clear. Um, yes. And it just adds so much more tension, you know? I, I yeah. like to know that there's a possibility Jean-Claude Van Damme might die before the end of this film. <laughs> exactly. And, and there was so much more. There's his fickle woman will clearly turn on him. We've established. Hundred percent. Yes. yes. Uh, he has she to avenge his friend. Chun-Li. Who's gonna get the bandana back? He has to get the bandana yeah, back. The I bandana. Mean, and you know the just, U.S. military. If he dies, they will bill his estate for the training costs. They'll be like, yeah, oh, Frank just, Dukes. We told him not to go to the karate fight. Now he's dead, and we spent a whole lot of money training to be a super spy. 
That's on you now. Eight different stakes all at once. <laughs> Great job, Moby. Perfect, perfect movie. Uh, so they prepare the platform for the final match, which means they just kind of raise the edges a little bit. Uh, I don't know why they do this. It's not established. I think it's just so the fighters can turn an ankle a little bit easier. I, it, it makes no sense. Um, Nobody, no, not one person does a sweet jump off of it. Yeah, there's no, they made there's ramps. no point to it. They made uh, yeah. and nobody does a sick sick flip or anything. They do a couple of jump. <laughs> I think they probably do eight or nine jumping attacks during this fight, and none of them are off the ramp. It's all from the flat part. Um, so he fights Chong Li, and he's doing really well. He's kind of kicking Chong Li's ass, not even really following his own game plan. Like he doesn't go to the gut until he's kicked him ahead like nine solid times, full power. Uh, Chong Li, there's no rules in the Kumite apparently, so Chong Li just very visibly pulls out blinding power from his pants, throws it in Jean-Claude Van Damme's face. Uh, so this is, this is bad. Our hero is blind. But bad luck for Chong Li. Our hero has trained to fight blind and, of course, just fights him without being able to see him. And makes a series of the best faces that anybody has ever made <laughs> in film yes. history. Yes, yes. Again, so For many so emotions. Long, that felt like five minutes of him just making yeah. a face and going. <laughs> I like there's a little follow up scream. Yeah, the little follow up scream. <laughs> <laughs> He's so mad about being blind, and then it's kind of like. <laughs> yeah, what's little... that helping for? Yeah, what does that do? Uh, did you learn that in your training? <laughs> Got to scream it out. <laughs> so he. Uh, he throws uh, he throws the ref into Jean Claude Van Damme, and even when uh, he could see, he throws the ref into Jean Claude Van Damme. And what Van Damme does is do a jump kick off of the referee, which is fucking amazing. And then later he throws the referee at him when he's blind, and Jean Claude's like, "Oh nope, uh, I have these blind powers now. I know you're not the ref." So uh, to us, this scene is like. It's like the slumdog millionaire of karate circumstances. Like, he has been training weirdly specific things for this very moment. But to Chong Li, it's kind of turning into a horror movie. And Bolo Young's decisions as an actor at this point is to be very scared. And he, so he's trying to sneak around. Because to him, this is a horror movie. This fucking blind guy is blocking punches and kicking him in the face. And he can't figure out what's happening. So, uh, I do love it. In his panic, he does a somersault like a, like a child might do. Uh, not an attack, and Jean-Claude Van Damme, Jean-Claude Van Damme does the full splits over it. He jumps in the air, does the splits, and at this point, I don't think it's a fight, because this is not fight choreography. This is like art, like they're telling a story of like a young boy's dreams taking flight. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm reading too much into this perfect movie, but like, you, you obviously, there's no martial art where they're like, oh, do a, do a wild somersault into your opponent's ankles. That's a, that's a bad idea. Young yeah, fighters. That's like Sonic the Hedgehog style. <laughs> I was going to say. Fighting style. Yeah. Maybe that's yeah. what he was are, going are for. Are we sure? Are we sure? How do those timelines sync up? Maybe you he know? just played a bunch of Sonic and he got so desperate he's like, fucking nothing else works. <laughs> yep. Nothing else is working. Yeah, maybe he saw them playing Karate Champ and thought, oh, he's learning by playing video games. I'll do the same thing. Comical <laughs> mix up. Played the wrong video game. Yeah. So that's this it. final fight takes eight minutes. Again, three minutes less than the flashback. And uh, I mentioned this earlier. They visit each other in the hospital. He visits Jackson in the hospital. And uh, the woman's there. But uh, Janice is like, eh, we're busy, lady. And he tells him he loves him. And he goes, 
anytime, any place, anywhere. You need me, I'll be there. I did a real fast line read of that, but that took him 20 minutes to deliver that line in the film. And, um, and Van Damme cries a little. Yeah. Because he does. It's just so beautiful. It is. Fight Brothers. So beautiful. Uh, and then you're like, okay, we're, we've now had two endings. He won the tournament. He says he loves you to the important character. But then, no, he goes to the airport to like just sort of wrap up the military plot. Like, okay, guys, I am coming home. You don't need to worry about me. The United States government spent like 80 grand trying to get me back from the Kumite. Uh, and then she shows up. The Janice shows up just to sort of wave at him goodbye. He gives her a little, little salute. Hi, goodbye. And then she gives him the Kung Fu salute that he used with his like Shidoshi, this thing she has no respect for that she tried to ruin. This is not your little kung fu salute to do, Janice. And then mm-hmm. Van Damme returns it to her. It's like, what? Why are you doing that? And then it ends. It ends on that. And I'm just like, oh, what a, what a perfect movie. What a movie. perfect movie. <laughs> <laughs> He's just so above our, our... That was the setup for yeah. the sequel, Lady Bloodsport. Yes. Oh, See, man. she all this time, she had studied under the same Shidoshi. She knew. God, I would love that. Uh, guys, there are, there are some great female martial arts movies. I have a couple of them on VHS. Uh, yeah. And I just wish there were more in the world. There's something so satisfying about it. I do love, I uh, love, um, I love Michelle Yeoh. I've seen a lot of, like Wing Chun is one mm-hmm. of my favorites. I love uh, Heroic mm-hmm. Trio. Uh, Cynthia think Rothrock. Of, uh, I, Cynthia Rothrock fights are so good. Uh, because rules. they do those like Taekwondo snap kicks. And like the, her choreographer is always like, whoa, Cynthia Rothrock, you can kick like seven times a second. And she's like, yeah, but it doesn't yeah. hurt. It doesn't hurt anything. And it's like, yeah, but it looks fucking sweet. Let's put it in every fight scene in every movie. And it's I'm like, like okay. Yeah. <laughs> she did a Hong Kong movie where she looked so awesome. And it just like shows how underutilized she was in, in her Western martial arts movies. Like she is mm. crazy acrobatic and her and powerful. And then you, you just never know it from like, you know, China O'Brien, or I can't remember all of her American movies, but what are some of your favorites, May? Some hot lady martial artist tips. Tiger Claws 3, The Final Conflict. Very uh, nice. Very good. Uh, I think Tiger Claws is the one, there's a very famous uh, fight that goes around the internet every couple years where these two guys from a Cynthia Rothrock movie, like, rip each other's shirts off, and, like, this one dude, like, cuts him with a knife across the chest and, like, licks the knife, and then he gets his eyeball stuck on a big meat hook, uh, it's if you just Google like the greatest fight scene of all time, <laughs> you'll find it like on the first page. Yeah, I know exactly. Uh, what <laughs> I think that was Tiger Claws one. So you have multiple Cynthia Rothrock VHSs right in front of you. This is the only one I grabbed. I have two more. I think I have Tiger Claws two. Um, I forget the third that I have. I bet and it's then Tiger I also Claws have one. Another. Oh yeah. Oh, this <laughs> <laughs> one. I wish. I actually do wish that I had the trilogy incomplete. Um, uh, well, if anyone wants to send me uh, Tiger Claws 1, I'm about box. to get 50 copies of it. <laughs> uh, gladly. I'll, I'll keep an pass eye them out. off to you guys if I do. All right, we got to talk because that's not the end of the movie. No. The real end of the movie, it doesn't mm-hmm. cut to black there. It stops and it does, I want to say, 25 minutes of just <laughs> talking about Frank Dukes. Like, yes text card after text card and they all stay up for like a full minute every single one mm-hmm. of just more and more ridiculous claims about what a big shot 
Frank Dukes is. Yes. And it's, it's, how did he get them to do that? He must be the best liar in the world to like, it's be like, incredible. okay, I get five minutes of your movie, and each one has to just talk about how great I am. And they're like, yeah, <laughs> that needs to go in the movie. Makes sense. This started in uh, 1980. He did an interview with Black Belt Magazine where he basically laid out the story of Bloodsport. Like, there's a secret kumite. I was there on a spy mission for the United States government. It turns out I'm the best fighter in the world, and I fought all these guys, and I'm awesome, and they love me. Um, and they didn't verify it. They had, like, a little blurb where it's like, hey, look, a lot of this stuff is really hard to verify, but, like, some of these organizations have letters, and, like, uh, that sounds pretty legit. They say this in the movie, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Life before the internet fucking rules. Yeah, you can just say whatever you want. And it, some of this made it into the movie in a really funny way that hardly anyone notices, where the the Kumite, they're setting up the, the tournament. And they're like, the Kyokushin Council, or the Kyokuriken Council, whatever, in association with the International Federation of Taekwondo Teens and Under, Frank Dukes Ryutsu, Strip Mall Karate. Like, it's just this super long title that sounds like a completely made up, like, martial arts federation. And that's in Bloodsport, and it... It cuts to all these fighters waiting to fight, so you hardly notice how stupid it is, but it's very stupid. And it's from yeah. this article that they used as like, oh, wow, the IFAA said he's the heavyweight champ. He must be. Which, of course, the organization doesn't exist. There were Yeah, I was nine- going to say, I assume that does not exist. <laughs> yes. The easiest thing to do in the 80s was to make up a martial arts organization on which you were the world champion of. And people were like, wow, that sounds very impressive. So the title card says... From 1975 to 1980, Frank W. Dukes fought 329 matches. He retired undefeated as the world heavyweight full contact Kumite champion. So undefeated out yes. of those out of 329, 329 matches. Not one, not one not person. One. No. So uh, <laughs> these are these happen every five years. That says that's said in the movie and in the Black Belt magazine article. And so that means that. 329 matches were not spread out like by you know a fight here and there uh that was like all in two tournaments so he fought 114 in one 115 in the other let's say that so um this is actually pretty easy math you just go two to the whatever power of people you beat and that's how many people were in that tournament so if you go two to the 114th power and that's exactly what this is that's uh you get 207 followed by 32 zeros, which is not only more people than existed on the Earth in 1975, that's billions upon billions more people who have ever existed on Earth. It's like the number of atoms in the universe kind of number. And that's just napkin math that anybody could have done. So if you're in a tournament where you beat 114 guys, I think you're lying, is my point. Especially, I mean... I don't want to step on it because you're probably getting to it. But his next is his other claim about <laughs> how many people he beat in a row. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I do have mm-hmm. notes on that. He says uh, most consecutive knockouts in a single tournament was 56. So Consecutive in a row. Yes. Consecutive. With knockout. And 56. Um, if you, if there, so there are at least 56 other competitors that he has to fight personally. In this. Yes. Who also had They're to have just, beat the same... Uh, you know, growing number of fighters. So More again, than there are stars in the math. sky. You just go two, <laughs> two to the 56 and you get seven followed by 16 zeros. So that tournament, is, assuming he was in a 56-man turn, he won 56 straight fights in a tournament. That's uh, 18 million times the population of Earth at the time. 
and he knocked every single one of them out, which rules. You, if that's true, that rules. That to so knock stupid. Out. When you realize what he was really saying was that all of human history is a kumite. Right. From Whoa. now until we stop existing. Right. We have all been in the kumite, and he is the victor. Wow. You Maggie, you're in, the, in the you're in the kumite right now. I am, and so this are you. This is the kumite. Listener. Oh. This is the kumite. Kumite. The numbers still don't add up. There's still... There's <laughs> <laughs> I love that you can, that you can give him that and the numbers still don't work. I can give you all of human history and it still doesn't work. Yeah, you got to go back to Paramecium's. But, um, he also has the record for fastest knockout at 3.2 seconds, which is kind of conceivable, especially with the ring out situation. But the fastest ultimate fighting championship knockout happened uh, two years ago Uh it is five seconds, and it happened under circumstances that most people agree cannot be approved upon. It was Jorge Masvidal, he need Ben Askren in the head, and they hated each other. So they did not do a handshake before they fought. They just kind of ran straight into each other. Uh, so Jorge ran, Ben Askren kind of ducked down like he was going to try for a takedown, and just got kneed in the head, knocked out instantly, completely. The ref knew the second he got hit, this is over. But it still took him about a second and a half to get to the, like corpse to say this fight's over so everyone agreed like no one will ever run into each other faster than this and no ref will ever react faster than this and we're looking at five seconds so so for Jean-Claude Van Damme to say I had or for Frank Duke to say I had 3.2 seconds it it pushes the limits of reality just a little um there's another record on the title card uh fastest punch with a knockout 0.12 seconds which is uh, amazing? What the fuck yes. does that mean? <laughs> like, at what point... Is 0.12 second yes. long punch from from when it left his body? And yeah. Do you measure? yeah, did he wind up before the bell? Right, do you measure from the hip twitch, from like yeah, the when... first movement of the hand? Is someone, yeah. is there a fucking Hong Kong monk with a stopwatch every time someone throws anything? Or like, oh, there's a kick, there's a kick. There's like, must be well, hundreds clearly, of those monks. It clearly was an old measurement system because his next one is like fastest kick with a knockout. Yes. And it's it's like 75 miles an hour or something. Mm-hmm. So we are switching measurements systems from fastest right. punch to fastest kick. Yeah, and, and it, I it love it because it's it like fastest system. kick with a knockout feels like he's kind of covering for it. Like 72 miles an hour is like, maybe I could kick faster than that. Like people in gyms are like, if they have like a PSI pad, they could maybe test that and say like, oh, I kick 80 miles an hour. I kick faster than Frank Dukes. So he added with a knockout because like it's not the same in the ninja streets right. as, as you at your gym. And so I love this because it re- would require like four radar guns at every fighter pointed. Like and I'm not even sure that would work. So it's incredible to me that in 1988, he thought this fighting tournament would be able to clock individual motions of a human body and then also and keep stats of them with and without knockouts incredible and they believed it so hard <laughs> right? they put up title cards at the end of the movie for they like did. five straight minutes just yeah. for you to like, they believed they, it they for... believed the shit out of this after, nobody's believed anything as hard as these people believed him after eight years of this article existing and during the full production of this movie no one thought wait this is fucking nonsense how would you how would you even do this and I think I've demonstrated that not only these are absurd, like they're absurd upon instant reflection. Like just the moment you think about it, they're they're completely disproven simply by the facts. Like yeah, by I did the not numbers. know you were going to prep this, but I have it in my notes of the like fifty six consecutive knockouts. 
So how many people are in that tournament? It would be more people like immediately. Yeah. As soon as you would say that, you're like, no, of course not. That can't happen. <laughs> yeah. It would have to be, you know, finding the same dudes over and over and over, which the movie demonstrates. Oh, my God. It. They believed him. So they loved yes. him. They believed him. Yes. Everything yeah. could be true. They're they're priests more uncertain of their God than the people <laughs> who listen to anything Frank Dukes would say. Uh, he said in that in a magazine interview, my involvement in that tournament was part of a plan launched in 1975 to infiltrate the criminal organizations that organized the fights. The original idea was to participate in the Kumite tournament and make a few contacts. We initially assumed I would lose, but eventually I became one of the best Kumite fighters to ever participate in the event. And so, uh, this is... God, it's got to be layers of awesome. I can't just be the awesome yeah. tournament. I have to yeah. also be the in a criminal, to investigating and taking down a criminal empire. And prior to 1980, he did, like I mentioned, he did martial arts articles, and he was just some guy with a Taekwondo black belt. But then soon he was the greatest secret martial artist on the planet. Like, just overnight, his credits changed from, like, yeah, I went to, like, Frank's Taekwondo barn and tire friction. And now he's, you know... Good school. Secret spin. Yeah, it's pretty good school. Mm-hmm. Good spin kicks there. Uh, so anyway, uh, no one called him out on any of it. In the in this uh, Kumite article, there are pictures of guys in karate gis, like, punching each other with, like, their faces blacked out. Like, someone died smuggling these pictures out of the kumite and um it's pretty clearly they're just at like a kyokushin kumite which is uh, if you're not familiar kyokushin is a style of karate where they don't punch each other in the head you can kick them in the head but you can't punch in the head so the fighting is sort of adapted to just dudes running into the center and just blasting each other in the chest which is just awesomely tough and uh, and they do these kumites where they'll fight a hundred guys on one more or less but basically People just take turns kicking your ass for a minute and a half, and you're just in the center of this crowd of people. So Kyokushin kind of rules, and it's just obviously pictures of that. And then Frank Dukes is like, "Oh no, no, actually, there, you know, there's a jungle guy and a sumo guy and a." (laughs) So good note on him to to take what was already pretty good and make it better. Um, Anyway, I think we got through all of my notes on Bloodsport. I think um, what a magic movie. I did. I did not think that could be done. It we is did it. magic. Yeah. You are the Frank Dukes of podcasting. <laughs> and so, uh, Maggie, do you have uh, favorite martial arts movies and how would this rank among them? Ooh, man. You know, I, I, pr- I will pretty much enjoy any martial arts movie, no matter how bad even even some of like the real terrible just like homemade ones that you know come up on really sketchy streaming services mm-hmm. um because i just like the idea of it you know so even if it's done poorly um i still have a good time but i would put this uh i would put this near at the tippy top nice. like i said earlier that the action is non-stop and you'll yeah you see things in this movie that you'll just you won't see in any modern day action film mm-hmm. um and it's all the more special for it, so. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, Brockway, same question to you. Number two. Oh, after. Oh. After what's two. the number one? Rumble in the Bronx. Fantastic choice. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. See, my favorite, Fist of Legend, starring Jet Li, then Bloodsport, then Rumble in the Bronx. Bold choices. Uh, <laughs> we are enemies for life now. <laughs> <laughs> and kill each other. Go. <laughs> My body's I'm ready. just kidding. You know My we're fight brothers. Fire. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. That's what uh, Don Gibbs says. He didn't. He didn't say I love you to Jean Claude. He's just. He says too. Me too. He says me too. 
<laughs> Very Han Solo. So, uh, Maggie, before we go, is there something you'd like to pitch? A pitch? Please uh, pitch. You mean, uh, uh, where can people find more about... Oh, oh. Well, oh, that's a good idea. Please pitch a movie and then tell people where they can find more of you. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think that's what you meant, but very suddenly I, I wanted to. Okay, so my movie that I think we should make is a martial arts movie, but it takes place entirely on the sea. Oh. Um, so we're thinking boats, uh, mm-hmm. you know, martial arts on top of jet skis. Um, Hell yes. And, you know, it Fuck. writes itself from there. I like so. there could be a scene where, like, a storm starts and the boat's just going crazy. And, like, they're like, oh, oh yeah. we, we don't stop the fight for anything. And so these guys we have to fight on Van these. Dam yeah. doing splits between two jet skis. <laughs> mm-hmm. ah! Yeah. Oh my God. We can get some uh, shark special effects. Yep. Um, I think. Okay. I'm glad one, we. One this guy out. should like be a, like a Tarzan guy, like the jungle dude, but he's like using the rigging, at, like vines, like full on swing oh, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. he just has a float, but it's somehow going the, just as fast as the jet in, skis. In hate with the sea. <laughs> yes. Yes. I oh man, it. no! I really want that movie. We could call um, it blood. Yeah, ocean blood sport. Blood ocean sport? Blood ocean sport. Okay, that's great. It rolls right off the tongue in a really clunky kind of way. Yeah. Uh, but if we got the dam, then it's going to be great. Yeah. But yeah, also, if you want to find me, you can find me on uh, Twitter and uh, YouTube where I have videos about movies. Um, yeah, I did love your last one about uh, oh. Tim Heidecker and Rob Schneider. Uh, oh, thank you. It's such a thank funny you. couple of guys to pair up, like to talk about at the same time. But it's like it's so perfect where you talk about how they're kind of doing the same character, but one is sincere yeah. and one is sarcastic. Yeah. And it's it's uh. oh, and I, I never watched that Rob Schneider show. So it's uh, I'm really glad you did and, and cut out some parts that are like uh, so oh, hilariously it's bad. bad. Like it's it's bad. It's shocking how oh. bad it is. And I did love that Tim Heidecker special. Uh, it's great. Yeah. yeah so. Oh, yeah, thank great. You. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, guy friends. <laughs> Me too. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very Kumite. much, Kumite. 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 Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. Einstein Hunter Frankfurt. It's a podcast canal. Und mit maximalem Schau. Doc Frankfurt podcast. One nine hundred hot dog wages war with the help of an elite fighting squad. On demolitions, it's Three Finger Louie, Adam Ruth, Adrian H, Aiden Moet, Alpha Sciences Chavo, Armando Nava, Benjamin Cyranen, Brandon Garlock, Brianne Whitney, Chase McPherson, Children of the Meat Millie, Dan Bush, the artist formerly known as Devin, David Ford of Dean Costello, Doctor Awkward. Eric Spaulding, Haraka, Jaber Al Aiden, Jamie Gordon, Jeremy Neal, John, John McCammon, Josh Fabian, and Josh S. Ken Paisley, Lyman, Matt Cortez, Matt Riley, Michael Rader, Mike Stiles, Moju, Neil Bailey, Neil Schaefer, Nick Ralston, Nick H., Polly Poisewo, Rhea, 
Rich Joslin, Timmy Leahy, Toasty God, Hilsarian, Zachary Evans, and Zadarfan. On communications, intelligence, tactical, the vehicle pool, and karate research, it's Patrick Herbst, who has just requested a transfer to demolitions. <laughs>